Hey y'all, welcome to Bookish Bitches. It's not your grandmother's book club. I don't know. My grandma might like this one. She likes zombie stuff. Like you should have seen her watch Twilight. So <laughs> um, my name's Megan. And I'm Lauren. And today we are going to be talking about Dread Nation. And that is by Justina Ireland. And I believe I said that right. Yes. I read this book back when it first came out in high school. And it was like at the end of my senior year. So it's definitely when I was still into this. Um, I loved it because I like the, I like, um, I love trashy movies and one of the trashiest movies I've ever watched is Pride and Prejudice versus Zombies and Zombies. Hey, 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 that, that, that movie's a It's not trashy, but like, it's funny as fuck. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, so this, this book definitely was like a nice little comedy for me because I'm like, I love, I don't, I don't read zombie books. I don't, I I don't think I do either, really. Like, I can't name, like, five off the top of my head involving zombies that aren't the Walking Dead comics. Yeah, I was gonna say, the only one I can think of offhand is, I have, like, the uh, big compilation of the Walking Dead comics upstairs. But other than that, it's mostly, like, vampires, fairies, those kind of things. But I I think this does a good job of being a zombie book, but not, like, a yeah, and then this super gory thing happened, and this super gory thing happened. It was, like, a zombie book with plot. Speaking of zombies, so because this is our first episode of Halloween, the Halloween month, which is me and Lauren's one of our favorites. Oh, yeah. Um, we are dressing up for each episode and Lauren's camera doesn't work too much. So she's going to be submitting a photo that you guys will be seeing. And I'm dressed up as a zombie today. I didn't have clothes that I wanted to ruin with fake blood or lipstick. So it's looking like a black tank top today. <laughs> and Lauren is dressed up as what? One of the attendants from the book. So I dug through my family's thousands of costume things. Got a little corset on, colonial mm-hmm. top. Um, and then I did some makeup like I'm bruised and I have a scar. If you're listening to this on anything other than Spotify or Anchor, you will not see the video, um, but feel free to switch over or we will also be posting the pictures of our costumes when the video goes up for those who aren't watching the video. I will say, though, Walmart didn't have anything for me to get. So this was all out of my makeup bag and I'm slightly proud because it doesn't look too shabby. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it looks good. Especially because... <laughs> My mom was on video with me and she was hyping me up. She's like, Megan, look at you. I'm like, I'm hot zombie. <laughs> we stand your mother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm a good zombie. All right. So I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah. He was like, all right, well, you still feed me. So that's all that matters. So let's, let's talk really quickly about a summary of the book since we've obviously clued into the fact that it's zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also taking place in the years after the civil war so for us that would be reconstruction for them it is the zombie apocalypse um which that came out a lot smoother than i was expecting it to so i'm kind of proud of myself um i wish we had a moment where a year we had zombies uh, <laughs> i want it so badly yeah you know i think that's Back on wood i don't want to die tomorrow yeah it's all you babe um but so basically this book is it takes place in Baltimore County, um, yeah. which I'm from Maryland. So I was like, oh, wait, this is in Maryland. I had that moment while reading it. I got so excited. There's so many, there's so few books that are like in places I can readily identify, especially if they're set in Maryland. But it's really excited about that. 
And then it also takes place in like the frontier land. Um, and Jane, who is the main character, is actually born in Pennsylvania, I believe, or close enough to Pennsylvania that when Gettysburg mm-hmm. zombies start rising, it's kind of a big deal. Um, yeah. So Jane is a mixed race girl. Her mother is a plantation owner who very much after the Civil War, um, slavery still ended by the Civil War because they're like, uh, we don't really have time for enslavement. We need to kill these zombies. So her mom keeps the property of her plantation and just employs the people there. Um, and we see a lot of flashbacks to her mother throughout the book. So it, it's very interesting to learn about her, but we'll talk about her in a little bit. So Jane goes to this school, which is Mrs. Preston's um, School of Combat. Yes. And she's there to basically learn to be an attendant, which is what I'm dressed as, uh, which is a Black woman who is trained in combat to protect white women in society. Uh, So I'm letting y'all know right now, there's a lot of racism in this book. So if if you don't want to hear about it or you're sensitive to it, because I was, there was points in this book where I was like, oh, that hurt. Like that hurt me. Just, I want to give you guys that heads up before we really get into it. Um, Because slavery was still present, wasn't it? It is technically not legal, but there's basically just like a new age slavery going on with the frontier town that's Summerland, uh, which we will also talk about. But yeah, so there's zombies and of course political parties rise, which are the survivalists and the, I'm going to butcher this, egalitarians i didn't butcher it cool um which survivalists are the ones that still believe in subjugation of people of color egalitarians are exactly what they sound like they want things to be equal equal so where do you want to start because we uh we could talk about quite a lot with this book you already briefly mentioned it let's talk about the consistent theme of racist throughout the book because like throughout the book you can see Every character is defined by what skin color they are. Like, even the guards, they were like, because when Jane and Catherine stopped, they were stopped by these white guards. Yeah. And I think, so, I think it's really interesting that we're talking about that to start with, because in the dedication, Justina Ireland says, for all the colored girls, I see you, which had me like, oh, (laughs) Um, it really, it, it caught me, but there's i never read the book dedications that much i was flipping to the first chapter (laughs) of the prologue and it caught my eye and i stopped and was like what does that say and i went back and read it and this book like you said is very everyone is very much dominated by their race because she's doing what she can to capture what it was like to be a person of color then what it was like to exist in a society that is very recently um post-slavery I was about to say society where your value is correlated to your color but that still exists so i can't really say that as a past tense mm-hmm. um that's not even a hot take and i will die on the hill uh yeah, yeah i would but i think within the consideration of like the racism i think i guess this is where we need to talk about jane as a character briefly because she kind of sees she sees the brunt of the racism in like from all angles do you want me to describe jane's background a little bit yeah sure go ahead so jane was born two days 
before all the dead started walking around the battlefield to Gettysburg and basically everybody was so confused. So she was born two days before that. Now, before she went to the school of combat, actually, her mother, because there's a flashback sequence, her mother would hide her every single year whenever the gunman would come and try to recruit Jane to, because she was around that age where they were supposed to go to the combat schools. Except this bitch, Annie Aggie over here, told Jane, like tricked her and basically said, you should volunteer for as tribute. She didn't <laughs> trick her. No, she, Aunt Aggie realized that Jane's mother would have kept her there forever. I know, but that was rude. You did not need to trick the child. It, it, it really wasn't tricking. I think it shows how much Jane kind of blindly trusted her, though. I know. Because she ends up going away to this school, away from her mother. But Aunt Aggie does it because Jane's mother n- never would have taught her how to defend herself. I know, but I read that bit when I was younger, and I, I literally was like, you could have just had to sit down with her and like said, listen, your mother's trying to protect you. I get that. But um, she basically was like, I have a present for you and open the back to the big white fam. I, <laughs> and I'm like, I agree that she absolutely should have had just a conversation <laughs> with Jane because she was old enough to understand at that point. Yeah. Um, But I do think in the long run, she was doing it for Jane's own good. Um, yeah. But yeah, she definitely was like, hey, I got some candy. And that's the context I got when I read that. I was like, you know, Ag's not pedophile, but this is very like a situation where you see that cruising white man. Yeah. <laughs> they open the back door and they put out the cardboard sign that says free candy or free puppies or <laughs> stuff like that. I got those vibes. And I was like, if I was a child and I this happened to me i honestly would just be so confused and i'd be like Can we, could we not just had a conversation where you told me about the dangers of stepping outside of the side of the house and the school is going to help me battle those dangers and she wouldn't even really had to explain the dangers exactly. because at um, this point jane has already seen uh the little boy be killed like there's yeah. no secret yeah her friend it, zeke was killed yeah it, so like, you know it would have just been a conversation of your mother is not going to teach you how to defend yourself. This school will. Do you want to defend yourself? Yes? Okay. Go out there and tell me you're ready to go to school. So after all that happened, she eventually uh, started becoming uh, studying to become an attendant. So she was trained both in weaponry. She was trained in etiquette. Because this was still when girls were like, oh, you got to marry and everything. But also zombies. So, um, and it was a better... They described it as it was a chance for a better life uh, for girls like Jane, which, because she's Black. More or less, yeah. Yeah, to put it in plainer terms, they put it a little nicer, but also not. So, and after all, she's not, not even being the daughter of a wealthy white Southern woman could save her from the expectations society had of her. But this is not the life Jane wants at all, actually. Uh, She's almost done with her uh, education at you know, must press in school combat. Um, but Jane is set on returning back to her Kentucky home. Um, she doesn't, and she does not care about politics. She does not care uh, about what's happening. Um, and I don't blame her. So, because there's talk about returning America to the glory of its days before the death rose. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, glory, okay, whatever. Um, 
and then a lot of problems happen. So that's kind of a background on Jane. <laughs> I, I, she's hectic. <laughs> yeah, she she's also within all of that, like a super. She's a she's hard headed. Um, yeah, yeah. She, that's one way to put it. Yeah. Because constantly she's being told to know her place, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the all the typical racist things that people say. And she constantly is combating that, uh, those narratives and trying to secretly fight against it. And she has her times where she plays into it for her own benefit. But at the end of the day, she does not want to be defined by her race or by the value that is put on her by society, which... Mm-hmm. When you're fighting against the dominant group that wants to subjugate you and you're saying, yeah, no, fuck you. I'm not doing that. Um, it leads to some really traumatic stuff for her. So this is where this is mostly where I was talking about, like, the parts that hurt. So she gets caught sneaking around at night and we'll talk about, like, who she was sneaking out to see and everything like that in a little bit. Because I actually want to talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. But she gets caught. And this is when they're in Summerland, which is a frontier town that they are sent to because they're meddling in the Baltimore mayor's business, basically. They find out he's doing some sketchy shit. He sends them away so they can't say anything. She gets caught and her punishment is not like extra labor or, you know, less pay. It is being tied to a post and whipped. It, looking at it now, it very much gives me like Hunger Games when Gail's tied to the post. But also looking at it in the context of like, this is just right after the Civil War. It's pretty obvious um, what they're pulling from. And she even has a memory of when they're talking about, or no, a memory of something she read about like uh, whipping as a punishment for the enslaved. And as she's sitting there, she's thinking, I probably should have finished that article because I I should have known more. (laughs) But the fact that this happens was like the moment where I was like, she better kill his ass. She better blow his head off. And this is the sheriff of Summerland because he's the one who doles up or who chooses this punishment for her. I was like, she better get him because if not, I'm going to have to find Justina Island and we're going to have to have a talk because you don't, you, yeah, no, no. We don't play that game. But yeah, I think. It, she does a really good job of portraying the racism. Yeah. Like, coming from a white woman, I am uncomfortable. Not, like, uncomfortable, like, with the topic. It's just I, and I talk about this in all of my uh, perspective classes I take with my minor because I put it out there, like, if I say something that seems the wording's not correct, can you let me know? Because it makes me better as a person. Um so I don't hurt people's feelings and because those are not my views at all it's just sometimes I word stuff weirdly yeah Um, I thought it was written well when it came to the racism because if you were just going to write this book and try to make everything seem unproblematic then that kind of would have been problematic because back then racism was huge and it still is today but I think she did an okay job at displaying and I think the, I hate to say like the best part of her portrayal, but like the best part of the way she discusses and shows it is she's not glorifying it or fetishizing it. Yeah. It's, this is how it is. Jane has her reactions to it. Catherine has her reactions to it. She has these thoughts about it, but she also ultimately knows that that is 
the life she is living right now yeah um so she's very much in tune to the fact that like you can tell it was written by a black author basically yeah for sure because of how i think it would come off different if it was written by a white woman or white male or whatever i think it would have been a little different because they didn't have that perspective it's because yeah exactly the perspective of like she has probably experienced to whatever degree some of this stuff so she knows how to explain Mm -hmm. it to people who might not because it's easier to write about stuff that comes from experiences or growing up you heard word from word like mouth to mouth you know yeah Um, we don't hear about it at all we hear it in world history class go home talk to our parents about it who have no idea what about what it's about either and that's that yeah it's different and that sucks but it is so I know our next bullet point is survivalists versus egalitarians, but I actually want to skip that and come back to it. Okay. Yeah. I want to talk about colorism since we're already kind of on this like really insightful, intelligent conversation about racism. I'm Keep the ball rolling. <laughs> You're doing great, babe. I am very proud of I'm you. I'm trying so hard not to say anything problematic. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. <laughs> and the thing is like, you're one of the least racist people I know. I and know. it's like, you just word it wrong and immediately it's like, what did you just say to me? I know. I'm the least racist person ever. I don't give a fuck what color you are. It's just the stuff I say, like, we have so many stories of the stuff I say. And then Lauren's like, we need it, like, so that means something. <laughs> yeah, and it's purely because of where you grew up. It has nothing to do with you as a person. So when you say it, I kind of stare at you for a second. Like, does she know? And, and then I'll explain. Oh, it. my God. Your mother's reaction to some of the stuff, though. Okay, well, that was, like, the, the, um the one that my mom reacted to that term was actually in the book and I busted out laughing when I saw it because yeah. that's all I could think about I didn't know what I was reading to be honest with you <laughs> now looking back like <laughs> yeah also um, my cat is fat and he literally just climbed my bookshelf for his fucking treats <laughs> is, that you, is that why you had to go grab it and I had to go get it because he tried to pop the lid like his cousin Pudge <laughs> And I wish um, that was a joke. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> you're good. So talking about colorism, we have Jane, who is termed a darkie, which... I hate hearing yeah, that. Yeah. I actually got fucking shivers. <laughs> it's like, that's such a, like, it's not even that's creative. Tr- that's the thing. My issue is it's not even creative. Like, if you're going to be offensive, be creative with your offensiveness. But Jesus. anyway... And then there's Catherine, who is white passing. She has blonde hair. She's very fair. Um, yeah. And she's very pretty. So they obviously get differential treatment. Um, yes. Catherine is the favorite of Mrs. Anderson, who... Catherine is also the favorite of Mrs. Anderson because she's, like, the perfect Mrs. Preston's girl. But I also think very strongly that it has to do with the fact that she's so fair. Um. Because in in return, Mrs. Anderson fucking hates Jane. Don't, okay. You're good. So, because we're talking about this. Yes. Near the end of the book, one thing that really got my gears going, I was so pissed just reading it, mm-hmm. was when Jane, at the end of the book, gets shot. And while Catherine, her friend that um, is white passing, Mm -hmm. is getting her head measured 
to determine if she's a white woman. Oh my god, yeah, no. Eugenics? Oh my god, okay. I and can, I wish I was making this shit up. I could literally go <laughs> on and on about eugenics. And she passes the white test. Yes. But that's, that's the thing is, like, uh, Mr. Gideon, when he's doing it, is, like, taking the measurements, and he goes, they're not really valid, though. I'm just giving it to the pastor, and he makes the decision. But this this isn't even a scientific method. It's just it's not scientific bigotry. At all. It's just, damn, you got a big head. You wipe. <laughs> yeah, and it's... Well, the thing is, it's based off eugenics, which, like, yeah. is the idea, for those of you who don't know, the idea that based off of certain racial... Um, physical identifiers you are able to basically tell if someone is superior or whatever and there's it's more in depth than that that was a really shoddy like summary but that in relating it to this when i saw that i was like what the fuck is happening dude um words cannot express how pissed i was reading that and it made it into a children's book (laughs) well the funniest part is the fact that she passes the test because the test yeah. is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. It's just we're talking about colorism and I'm like, sometimes it didn't no, even but it's matter. Relevant. <laughs> well, like, so, but then, okay. So then Catherine passes that test because you actually, that's a good point to go from. Catherine passes the test and she's considered a white woman. She's moved into the white part of town and she and i didn't even like this as someone who's not white passing this never occurred to me she has her own traumas of being around super racist people while having to pretend that it doesn't bother her that they're racist yeah like when she's telling jane that and jane's like oh i alongside jane was like oh my god that never occurred to me that like people because one of my brothers is white passing like and my mom will say he's not blah 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 he is most people think he's cuban at most um but he is in constantly in environments and i won't speak for him about how he feels about it but he's in, in environments where people are racist all the time because he works in I, i'm not gonna you know say exactly where but like backcountry places so it's it's interesting to me to oh, see i know where yeah it's interesting to oh, me where? to see Catherine as someone who very much is is actually proud of her identity yeah having to watch other people talk about her people you know what I mean? In a sense, a book character she reminded me of um, <clears throat> was from uh, Children of Blood and Bone. Mm-hmm. Um, the princess, what's her name again? Um, Amari. Amari. A little bit of Amari with that, that she couldn't speak her mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Their situations <clears throat> are, her situation now is very similar to when Amari was in the palace still. That um, Yeah, I'm talking like early. That's what I figured, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, not yeah. honestly when she got more freedom, but it was like she couldn't speak her mind because she couldn't have people know exactly how she felt and she had to act like what they were doing and saying was okay when it really wasn't. Yeah. And plus on top of <laughs> that, um, this is where they kind of depart, but on top of that, Catherine has all these men chasing her that she has no interest in. Which yeah. is like she has to be polite about it because she's supposed to be a lady. But she does not want this attention. She's uncomfortable. It's clearly upsetting her, especially because she, and I'm going to touch into her past and her sexuality here since it's we're, we're flowing today. Um, she grew up in a whorehouse before she comes to Miss Preston's. So she already has kind of like a shoddy relationship with just her beauty, her sexuality, men. 
and Jane. Jane no, Catherine. No, Jane I was about to say. Yeah. I was like, I know her mother like got around a bit, but I was like, was it a warehouse? Had to rethink well, that one. We're actually going to talk about her mom in a little bit relating to that. I know. That I was just. I know that. I know. I was just the plot twist in that. I was like, what? Um. I know. I was like thinking. I'm like, now that could have been a thing, and I could overlook that. <laughs> No, but that's that's why when Jane asks Catherine to make the sheriff fall in love with her, which you know, the I just sheriff is racist as fuck. Yes, which is even more like Jesus Christ. Oh, disturbing for Catherine. I'm um, like the trauma that child yeah. is going to experience. Uh, and I think like based off of what is discussed, she's asexual because she says well she basically tells us that jane is either bi or pan while also saying that she has no interest in men or women yeah catherine being she in the second part i said um which i think is also really interesting because this is like late 1800s so these were not conversations that were openly being had especially not in historical fiction or fiction of the time so i like that that's in there um but yeah, so not only is she like white passing, she has this really traumatic past and she's not interested in, in other human beings. It's like, oh, babe, you're just not having a good time straight up. I know, right? Uh, the sex, the sexuality handled in this book is better than most books. I will say that. Um, but like, I feel like there's always that pressure when we have an LGBTQ plus character where they have to define what they are when in actuality we don't know what the fuck we're feeling and i think i like (laughs) that it's not so direct and also because they didn't have the terminology then Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but like you're making a very good point of like it typically has to be defined and that's why i was saying jane bi pan or even queer Um, yeah she does not we don't know exactly what she is but we know that she likes men and women which is a-okay in my book Oh yeah, when when Catherine calls her out on it, Jane has like this look of like, but she was pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and she leaves out that like she kissed the girl or whatever. That was so funny to me. What about it, Catherine? <laughs> what do you gotta say about it, Kate? Because she calls her Kate instead of Catherine, because Catherine hates <laughs> it. But you notice after a while she just stops correcting her. Yeah, that's usually what happens. And Once I just... they become friends, she just shuts up about it. Oh yeah, for sure. This is usually what happens. <laughs> but yeah, I was actually surprised and happily, it was happily surprised to see that uh, different sexualities were kind of normalized in this book when I feel like during that time period, it probably was not. Oh, it definitely was not. Normalized at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, if you were a lesbian in that time, you had a, uh, a friend that you lived with. That was it. She was just your friend. Yeah, it was just a friend you lived with and nobody would talk about it at all uh, you were and i know this book is about zombies too uh but definitely like <laughs> if they were gonna change anything else during this time period i'm happy it was zombies and sexuality <laughs> yeah and i think because it's like how are you gonna argue like oh they you know which this that i'm what i'm about to say is so not true so just keep that in mind the idea that like gay people didn't exist back then gay people have been around for forever first of all um but also if you're gonna argue that it's like well neither do zombies so shut up clearly it's fiction like i don't what do you like this is fiction this was back in 2018 
this was aimed for that young adult demographic. So why are you really holding an argument with this? Yeah, exactly. Like, why <laughs> you know are you talking about it? <laughs> this isn't like an Aristotle or anything. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's a whole soapbox I could get on. I just stuttered a lot. Um, yeah, that I, I do won't. <laughs> but the idea of like looking at popular fiction through a literature lens is interesting to me but also at the same time you're still looking at popular fiction exactly don't sit there and be like this this doesn't give me the right you know use of feminist theory like bitch this is not this was hundreds of years ago (laughs) yes exactly and she also makes a note in the back of the book that like yes these are based off of real events but also zombies like get your panties out of choice yeah all right speaking of twists you want to go on a jane's mother <laughs> absolutely okay and i'm gonna let you lead this because you're real pat like i can hear it in your voice you're like yeah i want to okay. do it. so i'm gonna it's your turn because last time i got real passionate it was about revealing the murder in black widows so <laughs> which that was so good okay so the whole <laughs> book we are under the impression that jane's mom is a white woman who yeah. while her husband the major mckean was away at war the idea was like she cheated on him or whatever with one of the farm hands one of the black farm hands yeah that's the that's just the idea the whole that time was the running, that was the running idea yeah jane's supposed <laughs> to be a bastard she is you know yep. her mother can't acknowledge her she treats she calls her pet instead of by her first name when the major is around and then in like the most passing moment after Jane gets the letters from her mother and finds out that her mother's alive and has been writing to her and is in California or around the same time that she's finding this out, she notes that her mother is a passing white woman and her father is actually the major. So she straight up was his kid, but because she came out darker than her mother, her mother couldn't claim her as her own. And I was so shook, but it makes every single action make sense. Like, the fact that her mother's the least racist person, but she's also super careful about, like, her relationship with Jane and making sure that Jane's raised by the aunties on the um on the plantation, which is weird to say because they're not enslaved. So I was trying to think of, like, on the property, I guess. But... See, that's so weird to think about because, like, when you hear that, like, if you say that sentence, take out the zombies and but then you'd be like, no, that was slavery, you know? Mm-hmm. It, they say it's not a thing in the book, but fuck. And that's the that's kind of part of like the whole narrative is like they're not enslaved, but they're still being treated like slaves. Yeah, yeah. And also they're for anyone, saying, but also they need to do something for it. Yeah, for anyone wondering why I keep switching between enslaved and <laughs> slaves, the politically correct term now is enslaved people, yeah. because they are they are not slaves; they were enslaved. Um. The reason I just said it like that, that just then when I said they're uh, not enslaved but being treated like slaves is because they're being dehumanized. So if anyone was like, oh, you, well, you keep switching between it's because of the connotations of each word. Yeah, exactly. Which I didn't mean to just give you like a lesson in history or I you know, pre- semantics, I but <laughs> it, helps me, it helps me out in my day to day life. <laughs> yeah, that's a, um, because of where I work, that's something that's really big. I've been trying to make sure I'm correcting myself yeah. as far as saying enslaved communities, enslaved people. Um, and sometimes it just, it doesn't quite fit, but it makes more sense to yeah. try than to not. 
I'm trying to look for the the quote where it talks about her mom um, going to California. Yeah, here it is. Okay. Rose Hill, my dream and my future is no more. Betrayed by her new husband after he discovered she was a Negro pretending to be white. My mother has gone to California to start a new life. New life. So she has per- masqueraded. And I don't want to say it like a bad thing, but like she she survived that way um, as a white woman for so long until her new husband found out. Which, sir, you already married her. What are you going to do about it? Um, but yeah, it's interesting that she is the mistress of a plantation. Yeah. But also... But yeah so that you know and that in itself is so weird if slavery is not happening in this time period why couldn't jane be open openly accepted by her family well the major tried to kill her yeah see that's what i'm saying like he was he was fighting for the confederacy he he didn't he does not her mother sees the value in the people her father which is so weird to call him that because we think that he's like you know just her mother's husband but her father is racist so she can't be openly embraced by her family especially it it sucks ass oh yeah and i think that's interesting because do you remember in the beginning of the book when they're talking about how her mother would employ people or buy enslaved people yeah because there's this whole thing that they thought her mother uh you know was just sleeping around and everything and she would take him in yeah she would take in the people who could basically were in terms of like doing hard labor useless yeah it wasn't because she was sleeping with them it was because she wanted to protect as many of her people as possible which i think is so cute (laughs) yeah like looking at it now and i'm not gonna idolize her mother her mother does try to kill her when she's a child but she like Catherine, is grappling with the fact that she does not really fit into either of her identities which I can see is very problematic. At least she could fit in with her sexuality and she, you know. Yeah, there's other ways she could hide and make do and um, find a sense of belonging. But also internally, you're never going to be able to fake that. Um, which that got really philosophical really quickly. So, All right, then. <laughs> I know, that was such a weird way to end it. Summerland I thought was dope as fuck because it's that so Summerland was basically um because Jane uh comes across a book in I think uh Miss Anderson's library or something like that mm-hmm. um <clears throat> or it was someone's office it was it was the mayor's, the mayor's office, office. Yeah. it was the mayor's office and so Jane and Jackson are you know snooping around the office and they discover a book called Summerland and it's basically a community in Kansas that's truly free of shamblers, which is the zombies. And I was like, okay, so this is like in The Walking Dead when they're trying to find that community. I can't remember the name of it. Um, and it's like totally zombie protected free, you know? And it's yeah. pretty dope. And I was like, okay, so I felt like a cool subplot because I know there's more books in this series I haven't read so I'm kind of like second one I don't know if there's any aside from the second one and like a companion novel I wonder let me look but um I was like wow cool plot would have been if they could their journey to Summerland (laughs) yeah which the journey to Summerland ends up being not so lovely um yeah 
Damn, will there be a third book? Oh, that's so depressing. There's no more. This is duology. Although the duology sounds cool as fuck. The name for the second one is super cool. It's like Deathless, Deathless Divide. Divide. It's yeah. So cool. Um, but yeah, the whole Summerland theory uh plot, I actually kind of liked. It was it was my it was what I thought of for a zombie theme book. Definitely a safe haven. Yeah. I think it's interesting because <laughs> Summerland, like you said, is this great idea for this perfect safe haven, but there's so many layers that end up being on it. So it's like there's still segregation, there's still subjugation, and then underneath all of this, Mr. Gideon, who I am so excited to talk about, I ooh, um, I I love his character, but Mr. Gideon is also using the labor of the dead to power the electric lights in the town. So there's like even like dark secrets going on. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I liked it. It was a cute little plot. Um, so you made a note about Jane and Gideon. You want to go in and talk about that? <laughs> Absolutely. You don't have to ask me twice. I know. <laughs> so I'm going to touch on Jane and Jackson as well. Um, so Jane obviously is our main character and as all YA fantasy anything kind of works there has to be some kind of love triangle or past love future love Jane and Jackson are a relationship that doesn't get really far like they fool around as in 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 the civil war way of fool around like they kiss each other and that's like (gasps) you know scandal um and also Jackson is light-skinned as well yes and his little sister Lily lives with a white family that ends yes. up going to Summerland, which is why they get wrapped up in all of this um, and sent there. So Jackson, his nickname is Red Jack. He is kind of, um, who does he remind me of? He's kind of like a, you know, the guy with the trench coat that has a bunch of cool stuff inside and he's like, what can I get you? Like he has that energy. <laughs> he does. That's basically what he does. Yeah, Jackson dirty like that. He's talking about the guy in the corner, the sketch as fuck, and he has the clocks on his wrist all under the trench. That's basically uh, what his job is, though. Like he's much uh, more uh, moral than that, but that is essentially his job. Um, and he brings Jane gifts um, for different <laughs> things, and also when she's able to like do stuff in return. Um, so they kind of have a fling it breaks off she always has this lingering feeling for him they're they're very close friends as well so that's something to consider and then she comes to summerland with jackson they get separated and she meets mr gideon gideon gives her the this vaccine or whatever he's made against the shamblers and i'm under the impression that she's the first one to receive it or all of them receive it but either way there's this um whole thing about the vaccine he is an inventor he's kind of like he is the nerdy like white guy basically of the (laughs) book and he is very intelligent he makes electric lights but he is also an egalitarian so that that becomes interesting because he's he helps jane a lot Um, like jackson's character um I did actually because when Catherine and Jane were cleaning stuff Jackson walks in and is like my sister's missing and then that whole mystery with Jane deciding to help him uh, figure out and I like the theory 
that the shamblers took all of them. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. The zombies are growing brains. Mm. I like that. I thought that was kind of cool. Which is still something we see at the end of this book of like the shamblers are changing. They're, you know, growing more intelligent. Yeah. <clears throat> um, like any species. Yeah. Eventually they start to fucking put two and two together. <laughs> yeah. Even if they're slow about it, they will. Even they're fucking slow. Zombies might, you gotta give them credit. They came back to life. <laughs> yeah. They figured that part out. They Let's figured that out. You don't get. think they could figure out how to order fucking Starbucks on the app? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but so Jane, Gideon helps Jane a lot and she also starts to develop this little crush and she's very like, like when she sees Mr. Redfern, who is a Native American that is helping the survivalists, she's like, he's the most beautiful creature I've ever seen, essentially. (laughs) And Um, that early moment where she really looks at him and is like, wow, you're not wrong. (laughs) She is like straight up, he is the most beautiful creature I've ever seen. And then he betrays her and- she realized he's also stuck in a similar situation to her where he's doing what he has to do to survive. Gideon, however, she's like, yeah, he's kind of tall. He's he's actually kind of freakishly tall. He's not bad looking, I guess. But the- You've been the described t- as emo. <laughs> Basically, that's kind of how she- Emo, she puts and it. like, at like one point he says, fuck this, I don't need these bitches. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm gonna go find my sister on my own. And I'm like, you brought them into this. Why are you just dumping them? <laughs> it's like giving your cat half a treat. And, you're, and then you take it back and they're like what the fuck yeah. <laughs> you brought me in this you dragged my ass all the way over here you force fed me a fucking you know temptation jumbo stuff and you're just gonna take it out of my throat <laughs> out of my throat <laughs> yeah it felt just like that <laughs> yeah i think i think like her first reaction to gideon is not great no. she's like okay he's he's smart and but no, never mind. He's not because he's giving me this, this so-called vaccine after they just watched someone in Baltimore County uh, claim to have a vaccine and then, you know, unleash Shambler Helen, everyone. But my... Yeah, the, no. <laughs> the scene that got me is after she is whipped when he brings the solve and he's like bright red and awkward and it's like, oh, you little bean. All right. But she is also doing the same thing, which I don't have a note for her, but the Duchess... Oh my god, I love the Duchess. I'm glad you love the Duchess. I hated Miss Anderson. <laughs> oh, Miss Anderson can burn in hell. The Duchess, I, however. And, and we didn't have bullet point for that, but I want to say this. Miss Anderson can go, I don't know, fuck a shambler. I don't care. <laughs> she can just go party with some and die. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the Duchess is like, she is, she's the rough and tumble character with like the good heart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. like she runs a whorehouse but it's also like takes care of jane um after she's injured and is only really in summerland because she loved a black man yeah like her i want to see more of her in the future and at the end when they're all escaping summerland because it gets overrun the duchess and her girls are just like taking charge and getting shit done which she's also not a bullet point but like i just need to give her a shout out because she really she comes in clutch yeah <clears throat> we did like the dodges actually yeah i, I know love- you were so excited about the fact that this book took place in maryland and not just maryland baltimore where yeah. we've been together because you live there <laughs> <laughs> well so it's interesting because oh my hairband just snapped anyway um 
it takes place in civil war post-civil war maryland which my my place of work is federal early 1800s maryland but i still read about civil war when we're making stuff for the tours and stuff and it's really interesting because like obviously we know in this book slavery does not end by a choice it's because they have other things to deal with maryland would you say sorry i had that moment where you say that and i was like wow so if a zombie apocalypse happened we could just throw out fucking racism (laughs) like we could finally have a bigger problem (laughs) well so it's really interesting because the reason that maryland out uh makes slavery illegal is actually pretty pretty similar um no the idea of like we have bigger things to deal with like an opioid crisis that made people twitch a little bit (laughs) so (laughs) maryland's slavery starts to decline because it becomes um economically um unstable basically so it ends up costing more to have people enslaved and feed them all year round than to hire seasonal workers so maryland is like this is right before the civil war is like uh, this system really doesn't work anymore but politicians are like no 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 but like but like slavery and then the civil war happens and because they don't want to piss off the union the politicians are basically like okay i know that like we all really like this thing even though most people are like nah we don't really need it anymore they outlaw slavery the year before the civil war ends Mm -hmm. so 1864 they changed the maryland constitution or not when it ends but like before the 13th amendment purely because their relationship with the union becomes more important than upholding this institution and because it's financially detrimental to their survival so it's really interesting to see that like in both situations it only happens because there's other bigger problems going on it's not for like a moral like oh we you know we realize that this is bad it's like well on a list of things that are important this is no longer one of them you know i didn't know about that but i gotta tell you um i love that that's what it took <laughs> i highly recommend both to you and to people listening just look up like your state timeline of slavery if you live in a state that had slavery and just read it because it it really puts shit into perspective and you're like what am i t- what what am i reading because you know the running <clears throat> how do i put it uh you know the selling line when we're young and we're being taught about uh this is that um what's his name lincoln yeah thank you mm-hmm. uh decided to say fuck it all and um we're ending this shit and nobody liked him for it so that's the running line however it's in actuality each state slowly got rid of it and they all did it in different ways Mm -hmm. like what really tipped them over the edge to do it this time it wasn't just one big final act by big cat lincoln so i do like listening to different perspectives like oh for maryland it was because they couldn't afford it anymore yeah which i still find i find it funny in like the most ironic terrible way um because it's like wow we really just said money and that was the only thing that mattered um and i think that 
we also see that in this book because like bigger issues uh more important things to deal with essentially which is kind of where the survivalists and the egalitarians diverge obviously they're fictional so coming from what's already existing they talk about lincoln and the egalitarians like lincoln the survivalists do not and it's like this looks oddly familiar oh hmm keeping in mind that like the republican party in post-civil war was basically what the democratic party is now so they were the ones supporting the the newly freed and stuff so mm-hmm. just keep keep that in mind when you're saying oh well th- this is this is such and such basing it off of the original party divide um yeah but yeah i think that because this book's so deeply rooted in historical context it makes for a very good conversation so because with your job you deal with more on the historical end for maryland correct so it is mostly baltimore because the house i work in is in baltimore city um which at the time they would have been considered the country so it just would have been baltimore county but it's mostly baltimore for context for the house and then because maryland is also you know baltimore's in maryland maryland is a big part of the the family that lived in the house they were all over maryland it then expands to maryland um but a lot of it is like trying to build context i ask this because now that you now that we're you know you are out of college well you're in college but you're doing your grad school now that you got your bachelor's degree and your associate's degree and you're working in a very historical building Mm -hmm. um, in baltimore county based on historical context without throughout this book because this is a YA book we're not forgetting the fact there's freaking zombies on it yeah how act not and it doesn't have to be entirely accurate because this is a YA fiction what are the biggest things that you can pick out and obviously you're not an expert but like you you know more than me um what are the biggest things that are historically accurate in this book so both based off of my research and the author's note that's in the back of the book which kind of answers this question so like one of the big things was the education. So the there in in the book it's called the reeducation. I don't know if that's what it was originally called, but the not only um for African Americans, but Native American children and the boarding schools that they went to so they could become you can't see my air quotes, but air quotes civilized. Um which, Actually, sorry. You're good. Go ahead. Uh touching on to this um the the boarding school in dread nation where the children are uh, sent to actually is a real place called carlisle indian industrial school which Mm -hmm. i thought was really cool that and i brought this up because i thought it was really cool that the author actually brought in like native american boarding schools during the 19th and early 20th centuries yep i thought that was really interesting because i didn't know about this beforehand yeah um i had started to see more of it because of the things happening in canada Mm -hmm. with all of these mass graves being uncovered of native children Mm -hmm. um so like that's kind of where especially with mr redfern and all of like the native references that are in this book that's where my connection with that came from but i do see that you're talking about like the carlisle it's because it's in carlisle pennsylvania which i've been to carlisle Mm -hmm. um and it's now like a barrack so it's really interesting that she chose that as like the site for Mrs. Preston's or the inspiration for it. Um, 
There was a, sorry. You're good, go ahead. Uh, There was an article written in Book Browse um, about, because they did a piece on Drone Nation to see all the historical accuracy. I liked Mm -hmm. it because they were talking about Carlisle Indian Industrial School and how at these schools, the practice was to strip away any and all bits of the culture Yep. from the children who were sent there and I was like why would you just, like their names were changed their hair was cut uh they they couldn't use uh language their languages mm-hmm. and traditional practices and they're like converting them to Christianity I was like why would you have why would you have, yeah and then they were like the outplay placement programs uh were like hard labor labor on local farms resent uh, resembling chattel slavery uh, gender equality, which was promoted within the native tribes, was now replaced with the white man's version and vision of the distinctive unequal roles of men and women. And I was like, Jesus Christ. So we had normal children and we said to, or they didn't even have to decide to bring them to the schools they were brought there and literally taken, stripped yeah. of their entire cultural background and placed it into the white man's vision. I was like, what the fuck? Well, on exactly and on the side of the african-american um education (laughs) in this book a lot of early and this is actually like my experience of like research and stuff a lot of early education for newly freed children (laughs) was insufficient because it they, they weren't professional teachers they were people who they were white people who meant to do well um carter g woodson has a book called the miseducation of the negro which that came out in 1933 but it talks about um Mm -hmm. basically education since freedom and the impact of um enslavement on ability to learn and how they are taught so a lot of early education for african-americans was still focused on white figures so Mm -hmm. this divide in like who is worth being talked about um and who is really worth worshiping in education still you see in this book and just in general um and it a lot of the education systems early on basically failed to protect to prepare students for success um so historically speaking as far as like the education systems they are actually pretty accurate in their own like zombie centered way of like they weren't adequate and they were for teaching assimilation essentially um which we see with mr redfern and mrs preston's as well so i thought miss anderson's character was perfectly as played personally with how much of a bitch these teachers were yeah well, like miss- really one of their the one of the, these schools operated on the sentiment kill the indian and save the man i was like yeah. like reading that i'm like what the fuck <laughs> like jesus christ just, and it's not like parents decided to send their children there they literally were taken forcibly from their homes yep and families and this can be i think this can be compared uh genocidal intention yeah you kill the you know culture what I mean? yeah exactly there's a book uh by tommy orange which i've probably told you about but for anyone who's interested in this conversation called they're there and it talks about what the modern indigenous or native um 
and he actually uses the term Indian, but for the sake of me covering my bases, um, what the modern version of them looks like and giving them visibility because they didn't stop existing after Trail of Tears and these schools. They still Mm -hmm. exist. They just exist differently. Um, And that book actually also talks about the occupation of Alcatraz Island. Um, I, I feel like schools like these days cover their bases to say they cover it they discuss it briefly to say that it was talked about at all because when me and you talk about stuff like this you know i i'm learning more than i ever did um when i was younger because we didn't we didn't talk about this like i lived in a predominantly white area yeah on the top of my head i can think about how many uh, kids of color we had and their families Mm -hmm. and they don't even meet a percentage of the population um and I love learning about this stuff because it's looked over. We have the Trail of Tears. Everyone knows about that. That's like one of the only indigenous uh, time periods we talk about. Yeah. At all. Like when I was reading this article about like how um, this, uh, the author Ireland, you know, is trying to show like, hey, this is YA about zombies, but also there are people in this book, there are places in this book that we just renamed and it actually was a place yeah and it actually had you know hundreds of children forcibly taken and put there to reform them into something that they didn't need to be reformed to yeah um and are you familiar with orange shirt day no okay i assume it's something indigenous correct yes so september 30th is when orange shirt day was this year we missed we did miss it um it basically collects funds and spreads awareness about the harm that the residential school system did to indigenous children um and that's what they were called residential schools they weren't you know called assimilation schools or anything like that they were called residential schools because that's a much prettier name um yeah you know slap on a pretty name and it's not that bad and the orange shirt is supposed to be like a symbol of the stripping away of culture, freedom, and self-esteem experienced by the indigenous children over the generations, which America needs to pick up their asses and get kind of on board with this because this is a Canadian holiday. Jesus. Yeah, which like our I feel country... like half the holidays we have in America don't even need to be a holiday. Like this shit no. should be a holiday. Orange Day should be a fucking holiday. Well, that's like Columbus Day is now i don't i don't fuck with columbus day it's now indigenous people's day because everyone was like why the fuck are we still celebrating him <laughs> tell you truth i don't know too much about columbus i just always looked over that <laughs> i didn't really give a fuck about a white man back in the 1800s <laughs> it was before then but yeah and there you go <laughs> and that was like and i think kind of touching back on the book the discussions we're having today about these things this book taps into kind of ahead of its time like yes it was 2018 but it was before everyone started going all right look or not everyone it was before a lot of people started going okay look i really don't know a lot about my history i don't know a lot about my country's history i don't know a lot about anyone else's history and i had this conversation with my brother the one who uh works in areas where he is exposed to Mm -hmm. interesting people um he straight up asked me and this was the year that they changed Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. And he said, why is Columbus bad? And I kind of, and he and I fight a lot. So I kind of looked at him like, are you trying to rile me up? Are you seriously like, you don't know? I feel like we've, you've told me about this before. Yeah. Because I looked at him for a minute and then I went, 
because he enslaved people. And he wrote back to the king and queen of Spain saying that these people were unintelligent and they were easily conquered and they subjected to um, being baptized mm-hmm. willingly and like all of these lies. Willingly so lies. why are we celebrating him when he led to not only colonization of the Americas and you know all of the violence that came after that but he participated in a system which we all have you know canonically accepted is not good yeah so that's me on my soapbox but like this book i don't even think it's a soapbox i think it's stuff that we as a society needs to be understanding and i feel like racism has gotten not worse compared to like back then but like we had a period where it was kind of okay and now it's like it's getting people are getting bold again that's what it is yeah people are getting bold again with their ideals and views and i don't think it helped that trump was president just so you know yeah i know we're not political uh, political podcast but i don't think he helped quite at all um (laughs) but um these talks are important and some you know some people can get uncomfortable with it but like also i think you need to get uncomfortable with it and i think because this book is ya fantasy it takes an uncomfortable topic and gives you something that you're familiar with. Because, like, everyone knows zombies. Yeah. And you're only going to pick this book up if you like zombies or the Civil War. Yeah. But it it takes a really difficult subject and says, this is how it impacts people. It shows it, not just saying, like, this is what happened. It shows what it did to people's self-esteem, their identity, their sense of self, while also being like, yeah, and then they killed zombies. So, like, you can have a moment of, oh, that's funny. She just, you know did this thing but then there's also these really terrible moments that you're kind of forced to confront which yeah. sometimes that's what it takes to get people to actually confront it but because then it gives you that push to actually learn about what you're going to be talking shit about yeah because if i hear someone talking shit about something that they shouldn't be i'm gonna actually quiz them and be like all right i want you to tell me point a point b point c on why you say that and not just to say it and that's the thing is like a lot of people myself included sometimes have trouble interrogating their own biases yeah but that's also how you learn as a human being so like i guess if you want to stay ignorant forever that's your choice but yeah don't expect people to just accept your ignorance i always make it a point in my perspective classes and because in the first week guys like what do you like one of my teachers especially she's like and i love her to death um and I've had many great women's perspective classes I took a woman uh women who are a person of color last semester um and one of the first things she asked in that class was what is something you are uncomfortable with uh regarding race and I was like I am uncomfortable with sounding ignorant so if I am please tell me yeah I hate sounding ignorant when I'm not and I know more stuff I just can't put it together in a sentence yeah um and you know that <laughs> i yeah. am the least racist person well not least racist i just i'm not putting myself you are not a racist person basically but i'm not racist i really yeah. not um it's just sometimes uh i i've heard stuff when i was younger on a side of my family and um uh looking back uh i never took it to heart and never really like I wish I was, I knew I was uneducated back then because I would have stood up for it instead of being like, you're weird. Why don't you say that? Um, Yeah. 
and now I say stuff that is not racist in any intention at all. It's just it's a term that she has another. Yeah. All right. (laughs) And you're also very like that's the other thing is like even if you don't know, if you are open to being corrected, that takes you a long way. Yeah. If you're open to being corrected, that says something about your character as a person. And you don't need to be a know-it-all and be correct 100% of the time. Nobody's correct 100% of the time. And it's, I think it's great to be be able to like put your hand on their shoulder and be like, hey, listen, um, I know where you're coming from. It's just the wording you did. We can say it this way and it's more correct because this way it sounds like you're not saying something you want to say and And you're gonna say that in front of somebody one day and they're gonna be like oh my god they're gonna be the person that (laughs) that switches on you and you know things go south because there's there's no harm in being wrong and listening and hearing why you're wrong there's harm in being wrong and standing your ground on being just being like well fuck you you know like there's harm in you're no you know you're wrong but you're not going to admit it yeah you know what i mean everybody's wrong every once in a while and it doesn't matter what the subject is you know um but yeah um the ending was not fucked i guess (laughs) trying to veer off of that um i liked the ending because they threw a lot out there that makes you want to read the second book yes it's set up really well for a sequel and it's one of those books where similar to children of blood and bone the ending of this, I was like, oh, okay, I want to know what's, what comes next. Children of Blood and Bone, I was screaming because I needed to know what mm-hmm. happened next. But like this one, I'm like, okay, all right, we got some new plot points introduced. They're not just thrown in there. They're actually like mm-hmm. extending upon what has been talked about before. So what are, you, what are your project predictions based off of the ending? I feel like Catherine and Jane are going to raise some hell and get some names. <laughs> like, I like the ending because... Catherine's freaking out because she passed the white test. Um, so, you know, she was freaking out. So Jean tells her story and I really liked the allergy of it because it was about a fat rabbit that used to annoy the fuck out of everyone uh, until they eventually killed it. And coming from this article I was reading, they compared it as we gonna get these hoes once they yeah. get caught slipping. Yep. And I was like, I love that. Which they absolutely do because when and this is from another podcast uh called color pages book club podcast good we love to shout out we love to shout out yeah and also Um, i'm not taking their credit (laughs) i don't need that (laughs) when the sheriff finds out that Catherine is white that's when he slips up the whole plan is to make him fall in love with Catherine, have him slip up but when he finds (laughs) out that he's been tricked air quotes um that's when he really slips up yeah i personally think that so Gideon kind of helps them get away, kind of it just disappears into the background. Yeah, he like explained how the vaccine actually will, will work. And, to, and unlike the bullshit that saw that happened in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's the end of him though, because he doesn't really no, go, no. he doesn't go with them. But no, no. He'll, he'll also, show up. He's like that one character that hides and then comes out at the most weirdest time. Yeah, and also keep in mind he's Mayor Carr's son. Who leaves home mm-hmm. because his he's you know told that he can go and invent and stuff, but he also doesn't want to go home because his father and him don't get along. Yeah. But you're not going to introduce him as the son of their nemesis and then be like, 
all right well that's we're done with him um on to the next like that's not something you just do and leave alone i almost made it yeah no we we did shadow and bone already did yeah we yeah we did um, the first it's almost one. like was it revealed yeah it was revealed um the darklings parentage in that book, yeah wasn't yeah bagara um it's almost like that the darkling you know his mother um was the old woman you know mm-hmm. they're not just gonna throw in the darkling as the son of her and darkling's actually alexander the first you know all that good shit yeah um, it's just like that you know yeah you're not gonna throw some kind of plot yeah, twist in there, and say, in there yeah parentage is a big old thing and especially ya fantasy you're not gonna oh, throw yeah. that in without having a plan so excited to see I'll that started with percy jackson <laughs> true also, I feel like Mr. Redfern's going to come back because there was too much focus on him for him to just disappear as a character. Because Jackson yeah, was working with him. Uh, Jackson was working with him after he was separated from the girls. So, like, there's obviously going to be more to do with that. him. Yeah. All right. Radiant, I would give it a good old five out of five. I thoroughly enjoyed the topic. I enjoyed the cultural background. Uh, and I love me some zombies. <laughs> I'm going to go five out of five as well. I, I'm actually kind of kicking myself for waiting so long to read this because this was recommended to me 2019, I think. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe. And I just never read it, but I, I wish I had. I have seen it um, in your, uh, your room at our old apartment. So yeah, I think I did at least. Or it was in either the apartment or it was your place. It's probably my place. I think it was your place. Yeah. But yeah, I'll give it a good old five out of five. Yeah. So next week, we're going to be reading some short stories, some ghost stories. We're going to um, continue the spooky theme. Absolutely. We're going to be doing The Turn of the Screw and Sir Edmund Orme, both by Henry James. And we're actually going to, I'm going to watch The Haunting of Bly Manor because it is an adaptation of The Turn of the Screw. You've never seen it? I, ha- I watched part of it over your shoulder because I don't like horror. But for you and for the podcast, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to rewatch it because I got to tell you, The Haunting of Bly Manor was really good and if you like the haunting of Bly manor you'll like the haunting of hill house that was really good i've heard both of them are really good but we're well, gonna talk they about those use the same actors yeah different characters different kind of so oh, like how american horror story does with mm-hmm. the different yeah okay mm-hmm. they'll bring in different ones but usually um the same core people either it's the same core people but i know at least an actress was reused yeah um actually wait we can talk about this off camera um yeah but yeah so we're gonna be talking about those next week and we will see you then all right guys bye bye